ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئه اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Praise the praise belongs to Allah We praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness, and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray, and whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him. I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone, and that He has no partners or associates. And I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant and his messenger. We'd like to continue this evening in lecture number 20 of the sharh or explanation of Kitab al-Tawheed al-Ladhi huwa haqqallah ala al-Abid, the book of Tawheed, that Tawheed which is the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon his servants, his slaves, the creatures, its explanation by Shaykh Muhammad Al-Qara'awi, Hafizahullah, as well as sometimes we will also take from the explanations or comments of other scholars including Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih al-Uthaymeen in his sharh Al-Qawl al-Mufid as well as Al-Qawl al-Sadid of Shaykh Abdurrahman al-Sa'adi the comments also of Shaykh Ahmed Shakir in his Tahqiq or Taqreed of Kitab al-Tawheed and other of the and well-known books explaining Kitab al-Tawheed. The Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab rahimahullah in this chapter entitled Bab Maja'a Anna al-Ghuluwa fi kubur al-Salihin yusawwiruha awthanan tu'abadu min dunillah. The chapter concerning that which has come to us or that which has been narrated or reported to us of the text of Qur'an, the evidences from Qur'an or Sunnah related to the matter of Al-Ghulu أَنَّ الْغُلُوَ فِي كُبُورِ الصَّالِحِينَ يُصَوِّرُهَا أَوْثَانًا تُعْبَدُوا مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ That Al-Ghulu exaggeration or going beyond the bounds or beyond the limits that has been legislated in the Sharia related to or matters connected to the graves of the righteous or pious people exaggeration in matters related to the graves of the Salihin, the righteous, يُصَوِّرُهَا أَوْثَانًا تُعْبَدُوا مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ That this Al-Ghulu exaggeration in things related to the graves of the righteous, it transforms those graves or causes them to become أَوْثَانًا In أَوْثَان it is the plural of وَثَن and Al-Wathan it means anything or everything that is worshipped besides Allah. Anything that is worshipped besides Allah, it is a wathan. And most of the scholars agreed that the difference between al wathan and as-sanam, it is that as-sanam, it refers to idols that, that have a specific shape or form. And the idols that have been formed in the shape of a human being or an animal or a tree, whereas al wathan is more general. It means anything that is worshipped besides Allah, whether it has a shape or it doesn't have a shape. And it is more general than Sanam, which refers to those things which are worshipped, 
which have been formed with a particular shape. So if it doesn't have any shape, it is included in weapon. And that includes whatever is in its natural form without anything having been done to it and it is taken as a form or as something to be worshipped besides Allah or anything that is considered as worship is offered to it then this is what we are discussing this evening exaggeration in the graves of the righteous it transforms those graves or those who are buried in the grave to becoming a watan or that which is worshipped besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the first evidence that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab mentions is that which is reported in the Muwatta of Imam Malik Rawa Malik fil Muwatta anna Rasool Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqal that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu wa sallam said making dua Allahumma la taj'al qabari wathanan yu'abad the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said oh Allah don't make my grave to become a weapon yani an idol that is taken to be worshipped don't make my grave or don't allow it to become a weapon which is worshipped اشتد غضب الله على قوم اتخذوا فبور أنبيائهم مساجد that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's anger it is severe against the people who have taken the graves of their prophets as masajid, as places of worship. The Prophet ﷺ supplicated that Allah protect his grave from becoming a weapon, something that is worshipped besides Allah, based on the fact that Allah's anger is severe against the people who are taking the graves of their prophets as places of worship. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His anger is severe, extreme, against those who have taken the graves of the prophets as places of worship. Not worshipping the prophets or worshipping the graves, but going to those places where the prophets are buried, thinking that they have some special significance or status, that there is blessing in being near them, or that they can protect one from harm or give someone a benefit. So going near to their graves, they worship Allah. They worship Allah, they take them as places of worship, to worship Allah, but that place as though it has some special significance. This is what the Prophet ﷺ feared. He feared, as it happened to the nations before, that they took their places, the graves of their prophets as places of worship, and so the Prophet ﷺ, he prayed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect him, to protect his grave from, from yani, that happening to it, what happened to the prophets before, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answered his supplication, and protected his grave from becoming a weapon or something that is worshipped besides Allah. This hadith was reported by Imam Malik rahimahullah mursalan, mursalan, without a complete chain of narrators uh, from Ata ibn Yathir and likewise it was reported mursalan from some of the other scholars including Abdul Razak and Ibn Abi Shaiba from Zayd ibn Aslam mursalan also However, Imam Ahmed rahimahullah reported it mawsulan with a complete chain from Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu and that hadith is considered to be hasan. Uh, the Shaykh Muhammad al-Qara'awi rahimahullah says in the explanation of this hadith that here the rawi or the narrator of the hadith informs us that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam supplicated or asked his Lord to protect his grave from becoming something worshipped besides Allah. Then he made clear that 
what, what, what this leads to? It leads to the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon those who take as places of worship the graves of the prophets. So what about those who worship those who are in the graves? From this report, he mentions four fawaid or four benefits. The first of them is that whoever makes intention, intentionally goes to a grave, in order to glorify that one who is in the grave or that place where he is buried to raise up or exalt that place as being a special place it is an act of worship for it then this becomes يعني, an act of shirk and the one who goes to the grave for the purpose of exaltation or glorification it is an act of worship and it is shirk no matter if that person who is buried there is near to Allah or otherwise, it doesn't matter how close that one is to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if he is a prophet or messenger or wali or otherwise. It is an act of shirk to go to the grave and perform any action that is a means of glorification or exaltation of the grave or the one in the grave or the area surrounding it. Number two, in this hadith there is the confirmation of the characteristic or the sifa of Al-Ghadab for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah becomes angry as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Allah, that Allah's anger is severe against the people who take the graves of the prophets as places of worship number three the prohibition of building masajid or places of worship upon the graves that is prohibited to build a place of worship over a grave and likewise it's also prohibited to place a grave inside of a masjid or a place of worship that place which has been built over a grave or that masjid in which a grave has been placed it is prohibited to pray in there and the prayer performed in that place is invalid number four the prohibition of salat at the grave yani performing salat praying to Allah at the grave yani thinking that being near to the grave is a means of getting near to Allah it is prohibited to make salat near the grave even if there is no building even if there is no structure built over that grave the relationship of this hadith to the chapter that exaggeration concerning the graves of the righteous turns it into something that is worshipped besides Allah is that this hadith indicates that when the graves are taken uh, that the graves would be taken if people yani, exaggerate in their practices related to these graves and they would take them as a, as a weapon or something that is worshipped besides Allah and that this would happen in this ummah yani in the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu it would happen and this is understood from the fact that Allah that the Prophet sallallahu asked Allah to protect his grave from being taken as, as a weapon and if it was not possible that his grave could have been taken as something as an idol to be worshipped besides Allah if it wasn't possible that that could happen or that that would happen then the Prophet would not have made such a supplication but he only asked Allah to protect his grave because he knew that this is what happened to the previous nations and that it was likely and very possible that it could happen to his nation and in fact it did happen that the people of the Ummah of Muhammad took graves took graves as places of worship and they worshipped Allah near those graves and they worshipped those who were buried in those graves However, the grave of the Prophet ﷺ was protected from such by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The relationship of this hadith to the, to the book of At-Tawheed is that this hadith indicates that taking the grave to the places of worship, it is a means, it is a wasila, a means that leads to the worship of those who are in the graves. 
and this is shirk and it negates tawheed yani the means that lead to shirk is also shirk it's minor shirk whatever leads to shirk it is considered as minor shirk so it is also an act of shirk when anyone uh, involves themselves or engage in that which leads to major shirk and so this is shirk and it is a violation of tawheed after that he mentions a report from Ibn Jarir that is Al-Imam Al-Fabri, the scholar of Tafsir bi sanadihi an Sufyan an Mansur an Mujahid yani Al-Imam Ibn, uh, Ibn Jarir Al-Fabri rahimahullah mentions through his chain of narration from Sufyan, from Mansur, from Mujahid rahimahullah that he said أَفَرَأَيْتُمْ أَلَّاتَ وَالْعُزَّةِ yani he mentioned the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have you not seen or do you not consider Allah and Al-Uzza, those two idols that the pagan Arabs, before the, in the time of Jahiliyyah, before Islam, that they used to worship as gods besides Allah. And he, Ibn Jariyah, quotes Mujahid, rahimahullah, saying, كَانَ يَلُطُّ أَسْسَوِيقَ فَمَاتَ فَعَقَفُوا عَلَى قَبْرِهِ Yani that there was a man who used to make a sawiq, a type of food, yani something that is made from the flour of barley or wheat, and it is mixed with ghee or some kind of or some kind of liquid like water and ma- made into a type of food that the people used to eat. He used to make this sawik and he used to feed it to the pilgrims. He said that he used to make a sawik and when he died the people aqafu ala qabrihi. They used to spend time at his grave. They used to stay there. They used to sit there and they used to remain at his grave thinking that there was some benefit from being near to that grave, that there was some blessing or barakah or that it had the ability, being near there, they, they would get some protection from harm or they would receive some benefit. So they did al-uquf, staying close to his grave after he had died because he was someone who had did righteous deeds and they thought that since he was a righteous person then being in his, gra- his grave would give them some benefit. Likewise, it has been reported by Abu al-Jawza Abu al-Jawza and Ibn Abbas it is also reported from Abu Jawza from Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma that he said كَانَ يَلُطُّ أَسْتَوِيقَ لِلْحَجْ that he used to make a stawiq for the pilgrim meaning the pilgrims, the people who came to Mecca for pilgrimage and the relationship of this athar or this report uh, from that which has been reported from Mujahid and that which was reported from Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma is that uh, we know from this that the origin of the name Allat it was the name of a righteous man who used to make a sawik he used to make this food for the pilgrims coming to Mecca so when he died they went to the extreme they went beyond the bounds the origin of this name Allat it was a righteous man who used to make a sawik for the pilgrims and when he died they went to the extreme in exaggeration uh, around his grave and they took it as an idol worshipping worshipping it instead of Allah in this way every grave that the people exaggerate towards it or go to the extreme in exaggeration and glorification or exalting it then it will also lead to the worship of that grave or the one in that grave even if they didn't consider what they were doing as worship the next evidence that the Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab mentions is a report that which has been reported by Ahl al-Sunan that is 
أبو داود الترمذي بن ماجه النسائي عن ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما يساعد لعن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم زائرات الكبور that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم has cursed the women who visit the graves والمتخذون والمتخذين عليها المساجد والسرج and also those who take the, the graves as places of worship as masajid and they hang lights or put up lights lighting or lamps around the graves but the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu has cursed the women who visit the graves and those who take the graves as places of worship and they perform worship of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala near the graves or they glorify and exalt and extol and go to the extreme uh, in trying to identify those places of worship that they have built over the graves by hanging lights over them. This was of the ways of the pagan disbelievers and it is found today even amongst the Muslims. This hadith, as it is worded here, it is da'if. However, the first part of the hadith that Allah cursed the women who visit the graves and the second part of the hadith those who take the graves as places of worship are confirmed in other authentic hadith however the last part of the hadith was suraj doesn't have any confirmation for it and therefore it should not be used as a proof or an evidence against the prohibition of lighting or putting up lights or lamps over the graves however there are the general evidences as Shaykh al-Bani Allah mentioned in Silsalat al-Hadith al-Da'ifa where he pointed out the weakness of this hadith and mentioned the other narrations which prove the first two parts of the hadith he said that although the third part doesn't have any specific narration mentioning it particularly but there are general evidences that could be used to support the prohibition of lighting uh, lamps around the graves and from amongst them is that it wasn't done by the Prophet ﷺ or the Sahaba or the early generation of the Muslims and therefore it's an innovation and the Prophet ﷺ said beware of innovations for every innovation is going astray and every going astray or misguidance it is in the hellfire and likewise it is a waste of money and the Prophet ﷺ said المال, that of those things that have been prohibited is wasting of money and there are other general evidences also that could be used and from amongst them also he mentioned tashbih or tashabbuh bil kuffar that the Prophet ﷺ prohibited imitation of the kafirs and this was of the ways of the pagan disbelievers therefore imitating them is prohibited uh, the Shaykh says in the general meaning of this hadith is that the Prophet ﷺ cursed in this hadith three classes or, or types of people the first of them is the women who visit the graves uh, and that is because of the weakness meaning and the emotional, emotional nature of the women which would lead to them acting in a way that is unbecoming and not prohibited and not allowed in the Sharia that is screaming and shouting and going beyond the bounds of what is allowed yani, at the graves. Number two, those who take uh, as places of worship or they make their places of worship over the graves, they also curse and he, the Prophet also cursed them and that is because it leads to glorification or exaltation of the graves or the areas surrounding of those who are buried in it and eventually it also leads to the worship of them and number three those who light lamps over the graves and that is because it is a waste of wealth which is prohibited in Islam and there is no benefit from it and also because it leads to glorification 
of those who are buried in the grave and this is similar to the glorification of those who worship the idols and the glorification of their idols and this is also the imitation uh, of the disbelief is also prohibited perhaps the shaykh says perhaps in this hadith there is also a warning and a reminder for those who are building places of worship over the graves of the righteous and over their leaders glorifying them uh, that perhaps and that some of them and they have a state of fear and consciousness or awe of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when they are at these places the places where their leaders or the righteous people are buried that they don't even have when they are in the masjids, the, the places of worship of Allah and this is of the greatest of evils in fact it is of the major sins which it is obligatory to remove as it has been made clear in this hadith since the Prophet sallallahu first uh, or since the Prophet ﷺ did not curse anyone except because of a major sin yani the Prophet ﷺ didn't curse someone except that what they were doing was a major sin and this is the proof that this is of the kabair or the major sins the Shaykh mentions five benefits or five fawaid from this narration the first of them is the prohibition jawaz al-la'an al-fustaq ala sabil al-umum that it is permissible to curse the evildoers, the fusaq, in general, and to curse them in general, not mentioning anyone specifically. Number two, the prohibition of visiting the graves for women, and it is prohibited for women to visit the graves. And as we mentioned previously, this is one of the opinions of the scholars of the people of Sunnah, and the other opinion of the scholars is that it's not prohibited absolutely for women to visit the graves. But it's prohibited for them to visit the graves repeatedly and regularly and it's prohibited for those who know that they wouldn't be able to act within the bounds of what is required of a Muslim at the time of visiting the grave. Uh, number three, the prohibition of taking uh, the graves as places of worship and hanging lights or lamps around them and identifying them as a special place, as a place that is blessed or whatever. Number four, from the objective of the Sharia is closing of everything or every way that leads to a shirk. This is said as zariya, closing the way that leads to evil or harm or sin or that which is forbidden or in this case that which leads to shirk. And this is a basic principle that is very important and based on this principle uh, we will find that the scholars of Islam have prohibited so many things that are not outright in and of themselves prohibited but they are the ways or the means that lead to some evil or harm or kufr or shirk or otherwise and based on this principle said as zariya they have prohibited so many things so this is a general principle and here the principle is applicable to the prohibition of al-ghulu or acting outside of the bounds of what Allah has legislated at the graves knowing that this al-ghulu at the graves of the righteous leads to that which Allah has prohibited, yani a shirk. Number five, the prohibition of wasting wealth, yani using one's wealth for that which, from which there is no benefit. This is also prohibited. And this is related to the hanging of lamps and lights over the graves, which is not from the sunnah, it's not legislated in Islam, and there is no real benefit from doing so. 
The relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion and the general topic of tawheed is that in this hadith the Prophet ﷺ has prohibited al-ghulu or exaggeration and reference to the graves by building structures over them, places of worship over them, by lighting lamps around them, hanging them around them uh, and that is because it leads to the glorification or exaltation of those who are buried in the grave and cause them to become awthanan or watanan or that which is worshipped besides Allah due to this glorification. Here the Shaykh mentions two points, two notes. The first of them is that the illa or the reason or the cause for the prohibition of taking the graves as places of worship and hanging lamps upon them is what it leads to or what is the result of this taking these graves as places of worship or hanging lamps, lamps upon them is that it leads to the glorification of those who are buried in the graves. And this prohibition is not due to the uncleanliness or any due to the najata. It's not due to the fact that the graves are unclean or, or, or they are impurity. But it is due to the fact that uh, taking them as places of worship leads to glorification of those who are in the grave and this leads to shirk. And it's not that you cannot pray at the graves because they are unclean places. That's not the reason. But the reason for the prohibition of praying at the graves is that praying at the grave leads to glorification which leads to shirk. Number two, he said that the reconciliation or the harmonizing between this hadith or the part of this hadith that the Prophet ﷺ cursed Zairat al-Kubur, the women who visit the graves, he cursed the women who visit the graves and the hadith in which the Prophet ﷺ said that previously I had prohibited you from visiting the graves but now I order you to visit them. Perhaps there may appear to be a contradiction here, but the Prophet ﷺ has ordered the people to visit the graves now, and at the same time he's prohibited or cursed the women for visiting the graves. And the Shaykh says that the reconciliation between this hadith, and especially for those who understand or who hold the opinion that it is absolutely prohibited for women to visit the graves, then the reconciliation between these two apparent contradictory statements is that the hadith under discussion uh, is specifically related to the prohibition of women visiting the graves while the hadith where the Prophet ﷺ said previously I prohibited you from visiting the graves but now I order you to visit them that hadith is general it is general yani the first hadith related to women being cursed for visiting the graves is khas and this hadith where the Prophet ﷺ has ordered the people to visit the graves is am it is general and we understand that one of the principles of usul al fiqh is related to the matters which are aam and khas, that which is general and that which is specific. And that which is specific, the khas, takes precedence over that which is general, the aam, when there is an apparent contradiction between them. Because what is general is for most things, while that which came specifically to a particular matter excludes that item from the general ruling. While the general ruling remains in effect, but that which is removed from it by a specific proof, uh, then it takes precedence in that particular matter. That means that the, the general rule is that it is mustahab to visit the graves. However, the specific ruling is the prohibition for women. That is for those who hold that opinion. And for those who hold the opinion that it's not absolutely prohibited for women to visit the graves, then they use this second hadith as a proof for the permission. Because they said that the Prophet ﷺ had originally prohibited the believers from visiting the graves and it was a general prohibition for men and women. 
And therefore, when he closed that prohibition and ordered the people to visit the grave, then it was a general permission for all the believers, likewise, for men and women. And this is also a rule in Usul, that when something is prohibited, and then the Sharia from the Qur'an or from the Sunnah brings a command to do that thing which was previously prohibited, it means that it is not wajib or obligatory, but it means that it is permissible. It is permissible. That which was prohibited, if a command came to later do it, means that that thing is allowed now. So, the, so here, the other opinion, those scholars use this hadith as a proof that uh, visiting the graves was prohibited for all of the believers generally, and here the permission came, yani in the words of a command, to visit the graves. And that command is general for all the believers, therefore it is permissible for men and women. And that's the other opinion, and Allah knows best. In any case, the safer opinion, the safer opinion is that it is better for women to avoid visiting the graves. Uh, this is the end of the uh, evidences that the Shaykh mentions in this chapter. Before going on to the next chapter, which is also relatively brief, just quickly we have a chance perhaps to look at um, the Messiah, the Messiah that came with this chapter. Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen mentions uh, concerning the Messiah of this chapter, the first of them is tafsir al-awthan, yani the explanation of what is a watan. And he says that a watan, it is everything that is worshipped besides Allah, whether it is a sanam, that which has a specific shape, or whether it is a grave or anything other than that. The next issue is tafsir al-ibadah, the explanation of worship. And he says that worship, it is al-tadallul or al-khudu' lil-ma'bud, yani submission and humility to the one that is worshipped, khawfan wa raja'an, out of fear for them, or hope for reward for that one, or love for that one, or exaltation of that one. And whoever finds themselves in a state of submission or humility, out of fear of someone or something, or hoping for some reward for them, or love of them, or exaltation of them, this is the definition of al-ibadah, and this is related to the statement of the Prophet لا تجعل قبري وثنا يعبد Don't make my grave as a weapon which is worship, meaning that people will come to his grave and they would stand in front of his grave or sit in front of his grave in a state of humility or submission out of fear or hope or love or exaltation of the grave or the one who's in that grave. This is ibadah and it is prohibited. Number three, the third issue is that the Prophet ﷺ didn't seek refuge from something except he feared that it would actually happen. And this is in reference to the supplication of the Prophet ﷺ, don't make my grave as a weapon that is worshipped besides Allah. He didn't make supplication from this except that he feared that it could and would actually happen. Number four is that the Prophet ﷺ has combined or joined between these two matters. Number one, his fear that his grave could be taken as a item or as a thing to be worshipped besides Allah or that grave of the righteous and it would be taken after his death as an item of worship. He feared that and he connected it he connected and the expression of his fear of such to another statement and that is the statement of the intense anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala against those people who took the graves of their prophets 
as places of worship. He connected these two matters together to make us to know that the reason why he supplicated that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect his grave from such was as a warning to the ummah and to the believers not to take graves, his grave or any other grave, as a place of worship, knowing that the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is upon those who do so. Number five is the mention of the intense anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is taken from the statement of the Prophet sallallahu that Allah's anger is severe or intense, meaning against those who take the graves of the prophets as places of worship. And here in this statement is the confirmation of the sifa or the characteristic of anger, al-ghadab for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in reality, in reality, haqiqatan. Uh, and its meaning, the meaning of al-ghadab is known. However, the how of it, the kayfiyah, in reference to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not known, but we understand it in a way that is suitable to the majesty and glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, number six, and the shaykh says, and this is of the most important matters, it is knowing the description of the worship of Allah, which was one of the greatest of the idols that the pagans used to worship, and the description of that worship, it was Al-Uquf, the Prophet the, uh, it was narrated in the, in the Athar, that they said concerning Allah and Al-Uzza, that in reference to Allah, that he was a man who used to give a certain type of food a week to the pilgrims, came to Mecca, and that when he died, يعني فَمَاتَ فَعَقَفُوا عَلَى قَبْرِهِ الْأُقُوفِ Or clinging to or sticking to his grave, thinking that there is some blessing or some benefit or protection from harm and being near that grave. This is called Al-Uquf, and this was the type of worship that was performed in reference to Allah. Number seven, uh, knowing that this grave or this place yani, that is referred to by Allah in the Qur'an that it was the grave of a righteous man and this is understood from the effort or the explanation of that ayat that he used to make some food as sawik for the people, for the hajjaj and then yani, they used to glorify him for such um, and the Shaykh Muhammad ibn Sallallahu says that normally or it is usually the case that the people would not glorify or exalt or extol someone unless he was sahibuddin, unless he was a religious person. So from this we understand that Allah, that one who used to, uh, used to make that food for the pilgrims, he was a religious man, and that's why the Shaykh refers to him in the text of the book as Rajulun Sali, a righteous man. Number eight, that, uh, that name Allah, it was the name of the person who was buried in the grave, and also the mention of the meaning Yani of why, why, why he was named Allah is because أَنَّهُ كَانَ يَلُطُّ أَسْتَوِيكَ يَلُطُّ أَسْتَوِيكَ means he used to mix it, it's called يَلُطُّ and from that the name Allah came, the mixing of أَسْتَوِيكَ Number nine, uh, the cursing of the Prophet الزوارات يعني here in the text of the book, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab says لَعَنُهُ زُوَّارَاتِ الْقُبُورِ and in the text of the hadith that he mentions in the, in the original uh, narration of this hadith, he said, Zairat. But here he mentioned, Zuwarat. And the Shaykh says, uh, that perhaps the author, Rahimahullah, has mentioned this expression, Zuwarat, instead of Zairat, as in the hadith. Uh, in light of the fact that in other narrations, other than the one that he mentioned in the book, that hadith has been reported with another expression, Zuwarat, instead of Zairat. And both of them are similar in meaning. However, Zuwarat, it's uh, and it is an expression 
that is used for intensification. Uh, therefore, the meaning is slightly different. However, in general, both of them refer to women visitors who visited the graves. Number 10, uh, the curse of the Prophet ﷺ upon those who lit the lamps or who hang lamps or lanterns or lights around the graves. Uh, and here, uh, this issue, again as we mentioned, uh, the hadith, in which the hadith which was reported here, this expression that came in the end of the hadith, those who light the lamps at the graves, Shaykh al-Bani said that, uh, mentioned that that hadith was da'if and there was no outside proof supporting it. Therefore, um, the lighting of lamps around the graves should be reported or should be supported by general evidences and in that case, the the curse of the Prophet ﷺ upon those who light lamps on the graves is not taken from the text of this hadith as the hadith is da'if. Then he says there is another issue and this is not from the text of Kitab uh, al-Tawheed. Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen rahimahullah mentions there is another important issue which the Shaykh, the author, didn't mention and it is that al-Ghulu, exaggeration concerning the graves of the righteous, turns them into things, idols that are worshipped besides Allah just as the grave of Allah was turned into an idol that was worshipped besides Allah and taking exaggeration of the graves he said that it is one of the most important means and one of the wasail that leads to shirk and he said perhaps the, the author rahimahullah uh, didn't mention this in the masail on the issues because he had already mentioned the idea concerning this in the original title of this chapter so perhaps that he left it as being sufficient in mentioning that. And then finally, um, Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen rahimahullah mentions another issue which is not in the text of the book and that is the women who visit the Rawdah in the masjid of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa the women who visit the Rawdah uh, and that Rawdah is mentioned in the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi that between his uh, between his member and his house, that there is a garden from the gardens of paradise. He said that when the women visit the Rawdah and the Masjid of the Prophet to pray in it, and they are near to his grave, then there is no harm if they stop and they give salams to the Prophet at that time. And not that they went there to visit the grave, but if they were in the Rawdah to pray, then the Rawdah is beside the place where the Prophet is now buried in, therefore there is no harm in the women giving salams to the Prophet at that time. Uh, perhaps quickly we can, uh, rather than to look at the questions, we'll leave them and take the next chapter so that we can finish both of them this evening. The next chapter, which contains three evidences, it is the chapter entitled Bab Maja'a في حماية المصطفى صلى الله عليه وسلم جناب التوحيد وسده كل طريق يوصل ويوصل إلى الشرك. يعني the chapter concerning the hadith or the proofs which have been mentioned concerning حماية المصطفى يعني the protectiveness of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم of التوحيد حماية المصطفى the protectiveness of المصطفى صلى الله عليه وسلم meaning the Messenger of Allah of التوحيد وسده كل طريق and his closing every way which leads to a shirk. Uh, the first proof that the author 
Rahimahullah mentions is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from Surah Tawbah chapter 9 verse 128 the saying of Allah لَقَدَ جَاءَكُمْ رَسُولٌ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ عَزِيزٌ عَلَيْهِ مَا عَمِدْتُمْ حَرِيصٌ عَلَيْكُمْ بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ رَعُوفٌ رَحِيمٌ لَقَدَ جَاءَكُمْ رَسُولٌ that indeed a messenger one sent from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has come to you مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ from yourselves and this ayah is addressed primarily first and foremost to the Arabs to the Arabs and the Prophet of Allah وسلم, he was from the Arab nation and here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that a messenger has come to you from yourselves First and foremost, it means the Arabs. He came to them, he was known to them, they knew his lineage, they knew his station of honor, they knew his any trustworthiness, they knew him very well. He came to them speaking their language. And this was a favor from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that a messenger came to them from amongst themselves. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the characteristics of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu and those characteristics are the characteristics which were the cause of him being concerned about protecting his ummah from falling into any harm and especially the worst of all harms that is a shirk he describes him by these words azizun alayhi ma'aniktum that it is hard upon him it is severe whenever any harm or difficulty befalls the believers the prophet of allah وسلم, he took it in a hard way it was difficult to him to bear any hardship coming to the believers harisun alaykum and he was very concerned and cared much for the believers yani trying to make sure that he could call them to all that was good and warn them against any harm so that he could benefit them and that he could guide them and improve their relationship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Bil Mu'minina Raufur Rahim and in reference to the believers he was yani very kind and he was merciful full of kindness and merciful to the believers and the Shaykh says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has indeed given his favor as he mentioned in this ayat, upon humanity. And the first of them, or, or in the forefront of humanity, who this favor was given to is the Arabs. Since a messenger was sent from amongst them, from amongst their nation, from their people speaking their language. And they know his origin, his lineage, and his place of honor and status, and his trustworthiness amongst them. He was amongst them for 40 years before he was missioned as the Prophet of Allah. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the descriptions of the Prophet وسلم, uh, high and lofty noble characteristics which require or necessitate that he should be followed and that he should be believed in. And he has made clear that from amongst those characteristics is his any kindness towards the believers and that it was any, any difficulty that befell his ummah that he took it and he was difficulty, it was hard on him, it was severe upon him. And likewise, he was very careful in taking care to look out for the benefit of the believers and to guide them. And indeed, he was full of uh, kindness and mercy for the believers. From this hadith, or from this ayah, the Shaykh mentions two benefits. The first of them is clarification of the favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon humanity. And at the forefront of them is the Arabs, in that he has raised the Prophet from amongst them, who, through whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has saved the people from falling into the depths of shirk and that which is filthy or evil. Number two, the clarification of the care and concern of the Prophet وسلم, for his ummah. In this ayat it is very clear yani, that the Prophet وسلم, was extremely concerned about any harm coming to his ummah. The relationship of this ayat to the chapter under discussion and tawheed in general is that this ayat indicates the care and concern of the Prophet for the Ummah and that 
this care and concern of the Prophet ﷺ required or necessitated that he would take extreme care to protecting the Tawheed, yani protecting Tawheed from shirk, coming towards it or, be, or coming near to it, or that the Tawheed could become mixed up with shirk, and closing every way that leads to shirk. Yani this care of the Prophet ﷺ is what necessitated that he take such care for Tawheed and that he close the ways that lead to shirk. And indeed he did so, and he prohibited the glorification and exaltation of the graves by building over them and first and foremost he prohibited that it should be that any such thing should be done to his grave sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The second proof that the Shaykh mentions it is a hadith reported by Abu Dawood. As the Shaykh mentions here, Rawahu Abu Dawood bi Isnad al Hassan with a Isnad which is Hassan, a good a good chain of narratives and its narratives are reliable, trustworthy reporters. And some of the scholars said that this hadith, it was declared to be Hassan by Ibn Taymiyyah and his student Ibn Abdul Hadi, the great scholar of hadith, as well as of the latest scholars Ibn Hajj al-Asqalani and al-Sakhawi. And it has many other supporting narrations which I mean, justify it being considered at least as Hassan. And this was mentioned by Sheikh Ahmed Shafir in his comments on Kitab al-Tawheed or his, or his mention any uh, comments related to the book Kitab al-Tawheed. Likewise, in the Sahih of the Sunan of Abu Dawud, Shaykh al-Bani rahimahullah declared this hadith to be Sahih. The hadith of Abu Huraira radiyallahu anhu qal, qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, la taj'alu buyutakum kubura. That the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, don't make your houses as graves. Don't make your houses as graves. Yani don't, uh, don't put your houses in the position or in the status as graves. That is, emptying them from acts of worship by not performing prayers in your house, not reading the Quran in your house or the remembrance of Allah. And stated in the Sharia, related to or in matters connected to the graves of the righteous or pious people. Exaggeration in matters related to the graves of the salihin, the righteous, يُسَوِّرُهَا أَوْثَانًا تُعْبَدُوا مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ That this al-ghulu exaggeration in things related to the graves of the righteous, it transforms those graves or cause them to become awthanan. Awthan, it is the plural of wathan, and al-wathan, it means anything or everything that is worshipped besides Allah. Anything that is worshipped besides Allah, it is a wathan. And most of the scholars agreed that the difference between al-wathan and as-salam, it is that as-salam, it refers to idols that, that have a specific shape or form. Any idols that have been formed in the shape of a human being or an animal or a tree, Whereas al-watan is more general, it means anything that is worshipped besides Allah, whether it has a shape or it doesn't have a shape. And it is more general than sanam, which refers to those things which are worshipped, which have been formed with a particular shape. So if it doesn't have any shape, it is included in weapon. And that includes whatever is in its natural form, without anything having been done to it and it is taken as a form or as something to be worshipped besides Allah where anything that is considered as worship is offered to it 
then this is what we are discussing this evening. Exaggeration in the graves of the righteous. It transformed those graves or those who are buried in the grave to becoming a watan or that which is worshipped besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The first evidence that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab mentions is that which is reported in the Muwatta of Imam Malik, Rawa Malik, Fil Muwatta, Anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqal, that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, making dua, Allahumma la taj'al qabari wathanan yu'abad. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, O oh Allah, don't make my grave to become a wathan, yani an idol that is taken to be worshipped. Don't make my grave or don't allow it to become a wathan which is worshipped. اشتد غضب الله على قوم اتخذوا كبور أنبيائهم مساجد That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's anger it is severe against the people who have taken the graves of their prophets as masajid, as places of worship. The Prophet supplicated that Allah protect his grave from becoming a wathan, something that is worshipped besides Allah based on the fact that Allah's anger is severe against the people who are taking the graves of their prophets as places of worship. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His anger is severe, extreme, against those who have taken the graves of the prophets as places of worship. Not worshipping the prophets or worshipping the graves, but going to those places where the prophets are buried thinking that they have some special significance or status, that there is blessing in being near them, or that they can protect one from harm or give someone a benefit. So going near to their graves, they worship Allah. They worship Allah. They take them as places of worship to worship Allah, but that place as though it has some special significance. This is what the Prophet ﷺ feared. He feared, as it happened to the nations before, that they took their places, the graves of their prophets as places of worship. And so the Prophet ﷺ, he prayed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect him, to protect his grave from, from yani, that happening to it, what happened to the prophets before. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answered his supplication and protected his grave from becoming a weapon or something that is worshipped besides Allah. This hadith was reported by Imam Malik, rahimahullah, mursalan, mursalan, without a complete chain of narrators uh, from Afa ibn Yasir, and likewise it was reported mursalan from some of the other scholars, including Abdul Razak and Ibn Abi Shaiba, from Zayd ibn Aslam, mursalan also, However, Imam Ahmed, rahimahullah, reported it mausulan with a complete chain from Abu Huraira, radiallahu anhu, and that hadith is considered to be hasan. Uh, the Sheikh Muhammad al-Qara'awi, rahimahullah, says in the explanation of this hadith that here the rawi or the narrator of the hadith informs us that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam supplicated or asked his Lord to protect his grave from becoming something worshipped besides Allah. Then he made clear that what, that what this leads to, it leads to the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon those who take as places of worship the graves of the prophets. So what about those who worship those who are in the graves? From this report, he mentions four fawaid or four benefits 
the first of them is that whoever makes intention, intentionally goes to a grave لِتَعْظِيمِهَا in order to glorify that one who is in the grave or that place where he is buried to raise up or exalt that place as being a special place it is an act of worship for it then this becomes yani, an act of shirk and yani, the one who goes to the grave for the purpose of exaltation or glorification it is an act of worship and it is shirk no matter if that person who is buried there is near to Allah or otherwise it doesn't matter how close that one is to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if he is a prophet or messenger or wali or otherwise it is an act of shirk to go to the grave and perform any action that is a means of glorification or exaltation of the grave or the one in the grave or the area surrounding it number two in this hadith there is the confirmation of the characteristic or the sifa of al-ghadab for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah becomes angry as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said ishtadda ghadab Allah that Allah's anger is severe against the people who take the graves of the Prophet as places of worship number three the prohibition of building masajid or places of worship upon the graves that is prohibited to build a place of worship over a grave and likewise it's also prohibited to place a grave inside of a masjid or a place of worship that place which has been built over a grave or that masjid in which a grave has been placed it is prohibited to pray in there and the prayer performed in that place is invalid number four the prohibition of salat at the grave yani performing salat praying to Allah at the grave yani thinking that being near to the grave is a means of getting near to Allah it is prohibited to make salat near the grave even if there is no building even if there is no structure built over that grave the relationship of this hadith to the chapter that exaggeration concerning the graves of the righteous turns it into something that is worshipped besides Allah is that this hadith indicates that when the graves are taken uh, that the graves would be taken if people any, exaggerate in their practices related to these graves and they would take them as a, as a weapon or something that is worshipped besides Allah and that this would happen in this ummah any, in the ummah of Muhammad وسلم, it would happen and this is understood from the fact that Allah that the Prophet وسلم, asked Allah to protect his grave from being taken as, as a weapon and if it was not possible that his grave could have been taken as something as an idol to be worshipped besides Allah if it wasn't possible that that could happen or that that would happen then the Prophet would not have made such a supplication but he only asked Allah to protect his grave because he knew that this is what happened to the previous nations and that it was likely and very possible that it could happen to his nation and in fact it did happen that the people of the Ummah of Muhammad took graves took graves as places of worship and they worshipped Allah near those graves and they worshipped those who were buried in those graves however the grave of the Prophet was protected from such by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the relationship of this hadith to the, to the book of At-Tawheed is that this hadith indicates that taking the graves of the places of worship it is a means, it is a wasila, a means that leads to the worship of those who are in the graves and this is shirk and it negates tawheed yani the means that lead to shirk is also shirk it's minor shirk whatever leads to shirk it is considered as minor shirk so it is also an act of shirk when anyone uh, involves themselves or engage in that which leads to major shirk and so this is shirk and it 
is a violation of a tawheed after that he mentions a report from Ibn Jarir that is Al-Imam Al-Tabari the scholar of Tafsir bi sanadihi an Sufyan an Mansur an Mujahid yani Al-Imam Ibn Jarir Al-Tabari rahimahullah mentions through his chain of narration from Sufyan from Mansur from Mujahid rahimahullah that he said afara'aytum allata wal uzza yani he mentioned the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have you not seen or you do you not consider allat and al-uzza those two idols that the pagan Arabs yani before the, in the time of Jahiliyyah before Islam that they used to worship as gods besides Allah and he Ibn Jariyah quotes Mujahid rahimahullah saying kana yaluttu astawiqa famata faaqafu ala qabrihi yani that there was a man who used to make astawiq a type of food yani something that is made from the flour of barley or wheat and it is mixed with ghee or some kind of or some kind of liquid like water and made, made into a type of food that the people used to eat he used to make this sawik and he used to feed it to the pilgrims he said that he used to make a sawik and when he died the people aqafu ala qabrihi they used to spend time at his grave they used to stay there they used to sit there and they used to remain in his grave thinking that there was some benefit from being near to that grave that there was some blessing or barakah or that it had the ability being near there they, they would get some protection from harm or they would receive some benefit so they did al-uquf yani staying close to his grave after he had died because he was someone who had did righteous deeds and they thought that since he was a righteous person then being in his, gra- his grave would give them some benefit likewise it has been reported by Abu al-Jawza وَكَذَلِكَ قَالَ Abu al-Jawza and Ibn Abbas it is also reported from Abu al-Jawza from Ibn Abbas رضي الله عنهما that he said كَانَ يَلُطُّ أَسْتَوِيقَ للحج, لِلْحَجِ that he used to make a stawiq for the pilgrim meaning the pilgrims the people who came to Mecca for pilgrimage and the relationship of this author or this report uh, from that which has been reported from Mujahid and that which was reported from Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah is that uh, we know from this that the origin of the name Allat it was the name of a righteous man who used to make a sawik he used to make this food for the pilgrims coming to Mecca so when he died they went to the extreme they went beyond the bounds the origin of this name Allah it was a righteous man who used to make sawik for the pilgrims and when he died they went to the extreme in exaggeration uh, around his grave and they took it as an idol worshipping worshiping it instead of Allah in this way every grave that the people exaggerate towards it or go to the extreme in exaggeration and glorification or exalting it then it would also lead to the worship of that grave or the one in that grave even if they didn't consider what they were doing as worship the next evidence that the Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab mentions is a report that which has been reported by Ahl al-Sunan that is Abu Dawood al-Tirmidhi ibn Majah al-Nasai and ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma he said لَعَنَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ زَائِرَاتَ الْكُبُورِ that the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم has cursed the women who visit the graves وَالْمَتَّخِذُونَ 
والمتخذين عليها المساجد والسرج and also those who take the, the graves as places of worship as masajid and they hang lights or put up lights lighting or lamps around the graves that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, has cursed the women who visit the graves and those who take the graves as places of worship and they perform worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala near the graves or they glorify and exalt and extol and go to the extreme uh, in trying to identify those places of worship that they have built over the graves by hanging lights over them. This was of the ways of the pagan disbelievers and it is found today even amongst the Muslims. This hadith as it is worded here is da'if however the first part of the hadith that Allah cursed the women who visit the graves and the second part of the hadith those who take the graves as places of worship are confirmed in other authentic hadith however the last part of the hadith was suraj doesn't have any confirmation for it and therefore it should not be used as a proof or an evidence against the prohibition of lighting or putting up lights or lamps over the graves however there are the general evidences as Shaykh al-Bani rahimahullah mentioned in Sulsalat al-Hadith al-Da'ifah where he pointed out the weakness of this hadith and mentioned the other narrations which prove the first two parts of the hadith he said that although the third part doesn't have any specific narration mentioning it particularly but there are general evidences that could be used to support the prohibition of lighting uh, lamps around the graves and some amongst them is that it wasn't done by the Prophet ﷺ or the Sahaba or the early generation of the Muslims and therefore it's an innovation and the Prophet ﷺ said beware of innovations for every innovation is going astray and every going astray or misguidance it is in the hellfire and likewise it is a waste of money and the Prophet ﷺ said al-mal, that of those things that have been prohibited is wasting of money and there are the general evidences also that could be used and from amongst them also he mentioned tashbih or tashabbuh bil kufar that the Prophet ﷺ prohibited imitation of the kafirs and this was of the ways of the pagan disbelievers therefore imitating them is prohibited uh, the shaykh says in the general meaning of this hadith is that the Prophet ﷺ cursed in this hadith three classes or, or types of people the first of them is the women who visit the graves uh, and that is because of the weakness, meaning and the emotional, emotional nature of the women which would lead to them acting in a way that is unbecoming and not prohibited and not allowed in the Sharia that is screaming and shouting and going beyond the bounds of what is allowed yani, at the graves. Number two, those who take uh, as places of worship or they make their places of worship over the graves, they also curse and he, the Prophet also cursed them and that is because it leads to glorification or exaltation of the graves or the areas surrounding of those who are buried in it and eventually it also leads to the worship of them and number three those who light lamps over the graves and that is because it is a waste of wealth which is prohibited in Islam and there is no benefit from it and also because it leads to glorification uh, of those who are buried in the grave and this is similar to the glorification of those who worship the idols and the glorification of their idols and this is also the imitation uh, of the disbelievers also prohibited perhaps the shaykh says perhaps in this hadith there is also a warning and a reminder 
for those who are building places of worship over the graves of the righteous and over their leaders, glorifying them. That uh, perhaps, and that some of them, and they have a state of fear and consciousness or awe of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when they are at these places, the places where their leaders or the righteous people are buried that they don't even have when they are in the masjids, the, the places of worship of Allah. And this is of the greatest of evils. In fact, it is of the major sins which it is obligatory to remove as it has been made clear in this hadith since the Prophet ﷺ cursed uh, or since the Prophet ﷺ did not curse anyone except because of a major sin. Yani the Prophet ﷺ didn't curse someone except that what they were doing was a major sin and this is the proof that this is of the kabair or the major sins. The Shaykh mentions five benefits or five fawaid from this narration. The first of them is the prohibition, jawaz la'an al-fussaq ala sabil al-umum. That it is permissible to curse the evildoers, the fussaq, in general, and to curse them in general, not mentioning anyone specifically. Number two, the prohibition of visiting the graves for women, and it is prohibited for women to visit the graves. And as we mentioned previously, this is one of the opinions of the scholars of the people of Sunnah, and the other opinion of the scholars is that it's not prohibited absolutely for women to visit the graves, but it's prohibited for them to visit the graves repeatedly and regularly, and it's prohibited for those who know that they wouldn't be able to act within the bounds of what is required of a Muslim at the time of visiting the grave. Uh, Number three, the prohibition of taking the graves as places of worship and hanging lights or lamps around them and identifying them as a special place, as a place that is blessed or whatever. Number four, from the objectives of the Sharia is closing of everything or every way that leads to a shirk. This is said as the Riyah, closing the way that leads to evil or harm or sin or that which is forbidden or in this case that which leads to shirk. And this is a basic principle that is very important. And based on this principle, uh, we will find that the scholars of Islam have prohibited so many things that are not outright in and of themselves prohibited, but they are the ways or the means that lead to some evil or harm or kufr or shirk or otherwise. And based on this principle, said as zariah, they have prohibited so many things. So this is a general principle. And here the principle is applicable to the prohibition of al-ghulu or acting outside of the bounds of what Allah has legislated at the graves knowing that this al-ghulu at the graves of the righteous leads to that which Allah has prohibited yani ash-shirk number five the prohibition of wasting wealth yani using one's wealth for that which from which there is no benefit this is also prohibited and this is related to the hanging of lamps and lights over the graves, which is not from the Sunnah, it's not legislated in Islam, and there's no real benefit from doing so. The relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion and the general topic of Tawheed is that in this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ has prohibited al-ghulu or exaggeration in reference to the graves by building structures over them, places of worship over them, by lighting lamps around them, hanging them around them, uh, and that is 
because it leads to the glorification or exaltation of those who are buried in the grave and cause them to become awthanan or watanan or that which is worshipped besides Allah due to this glorification. Here the Shaykh mentions two points, two notes. The first of them is that the illa or the reason or the cause for the prohibition of taking the graves as places of worship and hanging lamps upon them is what it leads to or what is the result of this taking these graves as places of worship or hanging lamps, lamps upon them is that it leads to the glorification of those who are buried in the graves and this prohibition is not due to the uncleanliness or any due to the najasa, it's not due to the fact that the graves are unclean or, or, or they are impurity but it is due to the fact that uh, taking them as places of worship leads to glorification of those who are in the graves and this leads to shirk and it's not that you cannot pray at the graves because they are unclean places that's not the reason but the reason for the prohibition of praying at the graves is that praying at the graves leads to glorification which leads to shirk number two he said that the reconciliation or the harmonizing between this hadith or the part of this hadith that the Prophet ﷺ cursed Zairat al-Kubur, the women who visit the graves he cursed the women who visit the graves and the hadith in which the Prophet ﷺ said that previously I had prohibited you from visiting the graves but now I order you to visit them perhaps there may appear to be a contradiction here that the Prophet ﷺ has ordered the people to visit the graves now and at the same time he's prohibited or cursed the women for visiting the graves and the Shaykh says that the reconciliation between this hadith and especially for those who understand or who hold the opinion that it is absolutely prohibited for women to visit the graves then the reconciliation between these two apparent contradictory statements is that the hadith under discussion uh, is specifically related to the prohibition of women visiting the graves while the hadith where the Prophet ﷺ said previously I prohibited you from visiting the graves but now I order you to visit them that hadith is general it is general and in the first hadith related to women being cursed for visiting the graves is khas and this hadith where the Prophet ﷺ has ordered the people to visit the graves is am it is general and we understand that one of the principles of usul al-fiqh is related to the matters which are arm and khas that which is general and that which is specific and that which is specific the khas takes precedence over that which is general the arm when there is an apparent contradiction between them because what is general is for most things while that which came specifically to a particular matter excludes that item from the general ruling while the general mo- ruling remains in effect but that which is removed from it by a specific proof uh, then it takes precedence in that particular matter that means that the, the general rule is that it is mustahab to visit the graves however the specific ruling is the prohibition for women that is for those who hold that opinion and for those who hold the opinion that it's not absolutely prohibited for women to visit the graves then they use this second hadith as a proof for the permission because they said that the Prophet had originally prohibited the believers from visiting the graves and it was a general prohibition for men and women and therefore when he closed that prohibition and ordered the people to visit the graves then it was a general permission for all the believers likewise for men and women and this is also a rule in usul that when something is prohibited and then the sharia from the quran or from the sunnah brings a command to do that thing which was previously prohibited 
It means that it is not wajib or obligatory, but it means that it's permissible. It is permissible. That which was prohibited, if a command came to later do it, it means that that thing is allowed now. So, the, so here, the other opinion, those scholars use this hadith as the proof that uh, visiting the graves was prohibited for all of the believers generally, and here the permission came yani in the words of a command to visit the graves, and that command is general for all the believers, therefore it is permissible for men and women. And that's the other opinion, and Allah knows best. In any case, the safer opinion, the safer opinion is that it is better for women to avoid visiting the graves. Uh, this is the end of the uh, evidences that the Sheikh mentions in this chapter. Before going on to the next chapter, which is also relatively brief, just quickly we have a chance perhaps to look at um, the Messiah, the Messiah that came with this chapter. Uh, Shaykh Muhammad ibn, uh, ibn Salih Uthaymeen mentions uh, concerning the Messiah of this chapter. The first of them is Tafsil Awthan, yani the explanation of what is a weapon. And he says that a weapon, it is everything that is worshipped besides Allah, whether it is a sanam, that which has a specific shape, or whether it is a grave or anything other than that. The next issue is Tafsil Al-Ibadah, the explanation of worship. And he says that worship it is التذلل والخضوع للمعبود يعني submission and humility to the one that is worshipped خوفا ورجاءا ومحبة وتعظيما out of fear for them or hope for reward for that one or love for that one or exaltation of that one and whoever finds themselves in a state of submission or humility out of fear of someone or something or hoping for some reward for them or love of them or exaltation of them this is the definition of al-ibadah and this is related to the statement of the Prophet sallallahu don't make my grave as a weapon which is worship meaning that people will come to his grave and they would stand in front of his grave or sit in front of his grave in a state of humility or submission out of fear or hope or love or exaltation of the grave or the one who's in that grave this is ibadah and it is prohibited Number three, the third issue is that the Prophet ﷺ didn't seek refuge from something except he feared that it would actually happen. And this is in reference to the supplication of the Prophet ﷺ, don't make my grave as a weapon that is worshipped besides Allah. He didn't make supplication from this except that he feared that it could and would actually happen. Number four is that the Prophet ﷺ has combined or joined between these two matters. Number one, his fear that his grave could be taken as a item or as a thing to be worshipped besides Allah or that graves of the righteous and it would be taken after his death as an item of worship. He feared that and he connected it he connected yani, the expression of his fear of such to another statement and that is the statement of the intense anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala against those people who took the graves of their prophets as places of worship. He connected these two matters together to make us to know that the reason why he supplicated that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect his grave from such was as a warning to the ummah and to the believers not to take graves, his grave or any other grave as a place of worship knowing that the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is upon those who do so. Number five is the mention of the intense anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
And this is taken from the statement of the Prophet that Allah's anger is severe and intense, meaning against those who take the graves of the prophets as places of worship. And here in this statement is the confirmation of the sifa or the characteristic of anger, al ghadab for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in reality, in reality, haqiqatan. Uh, and its meaning, the meaning of al ghadab is known. However, the how of it, the kaifiyah, in reference to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not known, but we understand it in a way that is suitable to the majesty and glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, number six, and the shaykh says, and this is of the most important matters, it is knowing the description of the worship of Allah, which was one of the greatest of the idols that the pagans used to worship, and the description of that worship, it was Al-Uquf, the Prophet uh, it was narrated in the, in the Athar, that they said concerning Allah and Al-Uzza, that in reference to Allah, that he was a man who used to give a certain type of food a week to the pilgrims, came to Mecca, and that when he died, يعني فمات فعقفوا على قبره الأقوف or clinging to or sticking to his grave thinking that there is some blessing or some benefit or protection from harm and being near that grave this is called الأقوف and this was the type of worship that was performed in reference to Allah number seven uh, knowing that this grave or this place yani, that is referred to by Allah in the Quran that it was the grave of a righteous man and this is understood from the effort or the explanation of that ayat that he used to make some food as week for the people, for the hajjaj and then yani, they used to glorify him for such um, and the Shaykh Muhammad ibn Sallallahu says that normally or it is usually the case that the people will not glorify or exalt or extol someone unless he was sahibuddin, unless he was a religious person. So from this we understand that Allah, that one who used to, uh, used to make that food for the pilgrims, he was a religious man, and that's why the Shaykh refers to him in the text of the book as Rajulun Sali, a righteous man. Number eight, that, uh, that name Allah, it was the name of the person who was buried in the grave, and also the mention of the meaning يعني, why, why, why he was named Allah is because أنه كان يلطو السويك يلطو السويك means he used to mix it it is called يلطو and from that the name Allah came the mixing of السويك number nine uh, the cursing of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم الزوارات يعني here in the text of the book Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab says لعنه زوارات القبور and in the text of the hadith that he mentions in the, in the original uh, narration of this hadith, he said, Da'irat. But here he mentioned, Zuwarat. And the Shaykh says uh, that perhaps the author, Rahimahullah, has mentioned this expression, Zuwarat, instead of Da'irat, as in the hadith, uh, in light of the fact that in other narrations, other than the one that he mentioned in the book, that hadith has been reported with another expression, Zuwarat, instead of Da'irat. And both of them are similar in meaning, however, Zuwarat, and it is an expression that is used for intensification uh, therefore the meaning is slightly different however in general both of them refer to women visitors who visited the graves number 10 uh, the curse of the Prophet upon those who lit the lamps or who hang lamps or lanterns or lights around the graves uh, and here 
this issue, يعني, again as we mentioned, uh, the hadith in which the hadith which was reported here, this expression that came in the end of the hadith, those who light the lamps at the graves, Shaykh al-Bani rahimahullah said that, uh, mentioned that that hadith was da'if and there was no outside proof supporting it. Therefore, um, yani the lighting of lamps around the graves should be reported or should be supported by general evidences. And in that case, yani the curse of the Prophet ﷺ upon those who light lamps on the graves is not taken from the text of this hadith as the hadith is da'if. Then he says there is another issue, and this is not from the text of Kitab uh, al-Tawheed. Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen, rahimahullah, mentions there is another important issue which the Shaykh, the author, didn't mention. And it is that al-Ghulu, exaggeration concerning the graves of the righteous, turns them into things, idols that are worshipped besides Allah, just as the grave of Allah was turned into an idol that was worshipped besides Allah. And taking exaggeration of the graves, he said that it is one of the most important means, yani one of the wasail that leads to shirk. And he said perhaps the, the author, uh, rahimahullah, didn't mention this in the masail on the issues because he had already mentioned the idea concerning this in the original title of this chapter. So perhaps that he left it as being sufficient in mentioning that. And then finally, uh, Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen mentions another issue which is not in the text of the book and that is the women who visit the Rawdah in the masjid of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the women who visit the Rawdah uh, and that Rawdah is mentioned in the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that between his uh, between his member and his house Baina Bayti wa Minbari Rawdah min Riyadu Jannah that there is a garden from the gardens of paradise. He said that when the women visit the Rawdah in the Masjid of the Prophet ﷺ to pray in it, and they are near to his grave, then there is no harm if they stop and they give salams to the Prophet ﷺ at that time. And it's not that they went there to visit the grave, but if they were in the Rawdah to pray, then the Rawdah is beside the place where the Prophet ﷺ is now uh, buried in. Therefore, there is no harm in the women giving salams to the Prophet ﷺ at that time. Uh, Perhaps quickly we can, uh, rather than to look at the questions, we'll leave them and take the next chapter so that we can finish both of them this evening, bi'ithnillahi ta'ala. The next chapter, which contains three evidences, it is the chapter entitled, Bab Maja'a fi Himayat al-Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam janab al-Tawheed wa saddihi kulla tariqin yusilu or yuwassilu ila shirk and in the chapter concerning the hadith or the proofs which have been mentioned concerning Himayat al-Mustafa yani the protectiveness of the Prophet وسلم, of al-Tawheed Himayat al-Mustafa the protectiveness of al-Mustafa وسلم, meaning the Messenger of Allah of al-Tawheed وَسَدِّهِ كُلَّ and it's closing every way which leads to al-Shirk uh, the first proof that the author Rahimahullah mentions is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from Surah Tawbah chapter 9 verse 128 the saying of Allah لَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ رَسُولٌ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ عَزِيزٌ عَلَيْهِ مَا عَنِدْتُمْ حَرِيصٌ عَلَيْكُمْ بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ رَأُوفُ الرَّحِيمِ لَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ رَسُولٌ that indeed a messenger one sent from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has come to you مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ from yourselves 
And this ayah is addressed primarily first and foremost to the Arabs. To the Arabs, yani the Prophet of Allah وسلم, he was from the Arab nation. And here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that a message has come to you from yourselves. First and foremost it means the Arabs. He came to them, he was known to them, they knew his lineage, they knew his station of honor, they knew his yani, trustworthiness, they knew him very well. He came to them speaking their language. And this was a favor from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that a messenger came to them from amongst themselves. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the characteristics of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi And those characteristics are the characteristics which were the cause of him being concerned about protecting his ummah from falling into any harm. And especially the worst of all harms that is shirk. He described him by these words, azizun alayhi ma'anittum. That it is hard upon him. It is severe whenever any harm or difficulty befalls the believers. The Prophet of Allah وسلم, he took it in a hard way. It was difficult to him to bear any hardship coming to the believers. Harisun alaykum. And he was very concerned and cared much for the believers. Yani trying to make sure that he could call them to all that was good and warn them against any harm so that he could benefit them and that he could guide them and improve their relationship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in reference to the believers, he was يعني, very kind and he was merciful, full of kindness and merciful to the believers. And the Shaykh says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has indeed given his favor, as he mentioned in this ayat, upon humanity. And the first of them, or, or in the forefront of humanity, who this favor was given to is the Arabs. Since a messenger was sent from amongst them, from amongst their nation, from their people speaking their language. And they know his origin, his lineage, and his place of honor and status, and his trustworthiness amongst them. He was amongst them for 40 years before he was missioned as the Prophet of Allah. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the descriptions of the Prophet وسلم, uh, high and lofty, noble characteristics which require or necessitate that he should be followed and that he should be believed in. And he has made clear that from amongst those characteristics is his any kindness towards the believers and that it was any, any difficulty that befell his ummah that he took it and he, with difficulty, it was hard on him, it was severe upon him and likewise he was very careful in taking care to look out for the benefit of the believers and to guide them and indeed he was full of uh, kindness and mercy for the believers from this hadith or from this ayah the shaykh mentions two benefits. The first of them is clarification of the favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon humanity. And at the forefront of them is the Arabs, in that he has raised the Prophet from amongst them, who, through whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has saved the people from falling into the depths of shirk and that which is filthy or evil. Number two, the clarification of the care and concern of the Prophet for his ummah. In this ayat it is very clear, yani, that the Prophet ﷺ was extremely concerned about any harm coming to his ummah. The relationship of this ayat to the chapter under discussion and tawheed in general is that this ayat indicates the care and concern of the Prophet ﷺ for the ummah and that uh, this care and concern of the Prophet ﷺ required or necessitated that he would take extreme care to protecting the tawheed, yani protecting tawheed from shirk coming towards it or, be, or coming near to it or that the tawheed could become mixed up with shirk and closing every way that leads to shirk. And in this care of the Prophet ﷺ is what necessitated 
that he takes such care for Tawheed and that he closed the ways that lead to shirk. And indeed he did so and he prohibited the glorification or exaltation of the graves by building over them and first and foremost he prohibited that it should be that any such thing should be done to his grave sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The second proof that the Shaykh mentions it is a hadith reported by Abu Dawood as the Shaykh mentions here, Rawahu Abu Dawood bi Isnad al Hassan, with a Isnad which is Hassan, a good, a good chain of narrators, Warawatuhu Thiqat, and its narrators are reliable, trustworthy reporters. And some of the scholars said that this hadith, it was declared to be Hassan by Ibn Taymiyyah and his student Ibn Abdul Hadi, the great scholar of hadith, as well as of the later scholars Ibn Hajj al Asqalani and al Sakhawi, and it has many other supporting narrations which and justify it being considered at least as Hassan and this was mentioned by Sheikh Ahmed Shafia in his comments on Kitab al-Tawheed or his, or his mention any uh, comments related to the book Kitab al-Tawheed likewise in the Sahih of the Sunan of Abu Dawud Sheikh al-Albani rahimahullah declared this hadith to be Sahih the hadith of Abu Huraira radiyallahu anhu qal qala rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam la taj'alu buyutakum kubura that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, don't make your houses as graves. Don't make your houses as graves. Yeah, I mean, don't, uh, don't put your houses in the position or in the status as graves. That is, emptying them from acts of worship by not performing prayers in your house, not reading the Quran in your house or the remembrance of Allah. And as graves, but perform acts of worship in your homes uh, as well as 